Hi, everyone. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco, and you're listening to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. Follow along as I interview the best and brightest leaders in the insurance industry and insure tech landscape to bring you the latest in digital transformation, innovation, industry trends, challenges, and opportunities, as well as next-gen technologies. We use our experience to anticipate what's next without losing sight of what's now. Stay tuned to find out your next now. to today's podcast. This is Denise Garth. I'm thrilled to have you join us for the Future of Insurance podcast series here at Majesco. I am really thrilled to welcome Chris Franklin. He is the CEO of NextShield, but um, he and I have gotten to know each other extremely well over the last few years from an insured tech standpoint and been on a number of panels, and I'm thrilled he's joining us today. Chris, welcome. Hey, Denise. Great to speak to you again. Thank you. So, Chris, I always like to start off because there are people in the industry that probably don't know you. So why don't you go ahead and give a little bit of background on yourself and what you do, where you've taken from a career standpoint? Yeah, thanks, Denise. Would love to. Um, Yeah, so for folks out there who don't know me, Christopher Franklin's founder of InsureTech360 and uh, more recently as well, COO of uh, NextShield, who are a subsidiary of NextPlay Technologies and part of a broader next fintech group so i'll definitely dive into that a little bit more later as we go through the kind of our conversation today you know typically you'll find me you know speaking at multiple insurance and insure tech events globally most recently i co-chaired the underwriting innovation usa event in chicago in my spare time i love advising and mentoring with startups across the insure tech and fintech space i'm a mentor at lloyd's lab GIA and the Generator Group. And I'm also uh, working on a a startup that will be launching in 2023. So add to that a few kids, it's busy. You don't get a lot of sleep. There's not much. There's not much. I'll I'll take what I can get. So one of the things that you and I talked about, Chris, and we kind of talked about it on the panel that we were recently on at for the Silicon Prairie and SureTech event here in Omaha, which we both are from this area is really about this new phase of insure tech when it kind of emerged out of fintech in about 2014, 2015, and it's just been growing by leaps and bounds and accelerating, we're kind of moving into a new phase. And some of it's driven probably by some of the market and economic conditions, but I think it's also driven by just having more experience around some of the technologies and some of the business models. So the first area was really heavily focused on front-end distribution. And and what do you think this next era is going to be? And what learnings did we have from this first area that will influence this next generation of InsureTech? That's a great question. And, you know, it's funny when you say, God, I mean, it was was about 2014. I was talking to Trent Cooksley about this. We're like, you know, we were joking that we're like the OGs of of InsureTech. And I know there's a few others out there, but Denise, I think, you know, I think think we're all in that kind of bracket, right? Where we... Yeah. we were kind of there from from day one, so to speak, and yeah, you kind of think back to that first InsureTech Connect um, ITC event in Vegas, where there was just like, I mean, it was just a crazy buzz, wasn't it, around insurance and innovation and kind of thinking about these new sort of more customer-centric ways to think about insurance. And I think the crazy thing looking back, and even now, it's like, 
a lot of the stuff back then wasn't really rocket science. It was, you know, being kind of done and built across other cores and industries, but insurance primarily at the time, as we know, was really kind of behind the curve when it came to building and creating a customer experience that was just okay. And so I think, you know, at the time, the wow factor was certainly, wow, you know, we can build mobile responsive designs, workflows, customer journeys. If I wanted to, to access my insurance ID cards online, that alone would have just been miraculous. And I, so I think the bar was so low at the time that everything just seemed amazing. And think for people at the time who were in that space, kind of, you know, going from insurance to this, this more customer-centric way of thinking, perhaps under the InsureTech umbrella, this idea of using technology to deliver and, and rethink traditional insurance and experience, it was a really exciting time. Coming out of that, I suppose, in the seven or eight years since, what I've really seen, and I think what we've all seen, is kind of a convergence across the insurance space, a much broader alignment around innovative thinking, you know, when it comes to different methodologies, thinking about customer journey mapping, design thinking, um, creating these, these innovation teams and innovation labs. I worked with a carrier for a few years. They made tremendous in that space. So I think perhaps the first thing coming out of it, just then broader leveling of the playing field when it comes to innovative thinking. Coming back to your question about what's coming next, you know, obviously I think some lessons learned there, you know, moving from waterfall to perhaps agile, obviously is, is a tremendous benefit. I think the formation and the creation of, of innovative groups and labs has been very positive. I, I think one thing going forwards from a cultural perspective is just, you know, making sure that we're thinking more broadly in terms of teams and um, organizations that we bring everybody on that journey, right? That it's not just the lucky few who get to participate in these kind of greenfield labs where all the fun stuff happens. It's We need to be bringing the entire organization on this kind of digital journey towards what it is we're building. You know, I'm sure we'll go a little bit deeper into it, but, you know, thinking about AI, thinking about RPA, robotic process automation, a, a lot of technology that's exciting, but at the same time can be quite scary for people who perhaps are not as familiar with it, may have some concerns around what it means for them in their future. So I think much more to come from a technology point of view, I think from an ethical and cultural perspective, lots of questions there to be answered. And ultimately, I think building more tools and platforms, people within the industry, not just the customers external to insurance companies, but you know the, the internal customers, the employees, how do we make their jobs more enjoyable, effective? How do we, you know, can we build better tools, better platforms so they can work more effectively as well? Another thing I was thinking about when you were kind of talking about some of the technology, and we'll get into this a little bit further, Chris, but back in 2014, 2015, hardly anybody was moving to the cloud. It was still like, oh, not sure about that. You know, it's kind of risky type of thing. And think how quickly that changed. And I think that in itself has just really kind of transformed the whole insure tech movement because we're able now to kind of leverage some of the startups, technologies in an ecosystem kind of way to be able to kind of use that, but cloud really kind of accelerated that. Yeah, that's a terrific point. And, you know, when you think of AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, all of the players in the cloud space, they offer to a large extent similar services and capabilities, right? So when you think about some of the AI tools, the machine learning tools, 
Um, every, each one has you know, their own flavor, but at the same time, as you just said, Denise, absolutely bang on. The innovation, the technology that perhaps was open and available to more exclusively the insure techs, the startups coming into the space now is absolutely being leveraged across incumbents within the insurance industry. And I think, you know, as you know, the speed to delivery, the speed to adoption, I think typically has been a little bit more challenging for the incumbent organizations purely because of the tech debt, the legacy technology, the more manual antiquated processes already in place. I mean, I think, you know, some of those hurdles are being tackled and addressed and, you know, we're seeing greater strides being made by kind of the bigger or traditional carriers in into the cloud space. So I think, you know, coming back to that idea of, you know, the leveling of the playing field, everybody's an insure tech. I think that was maybe Matteo Carbone who quoted that many years ago, but, you know, essentially everybody at some point will become an insure tech of some sort, but at the same time, that bar is always going to be moved a little bit higher by perhaps the companies who are able to move just a little bit more quickly than the others. And I think that technology now is really helping to kind of what I see coming back together, you and I talked about this on the panel we were on with InsureTech and FinTech kind of merging back together and it's all being driven by that customer. And it's really financial functionality that's becoming native component of a technology stack and also of a business model where you really have opportunities for embedded or as a service InsureTech or FinTech rather than just pure FinTech. You know, that requires partnerships and really tech enabled connectivity and the implications pretty dramatic to be able to kind of bring this together from a customer perspective and taking all these kind of traditional silos and have an interconnected one, you know, from banking and investment to insurance. What are you seeing? Because I know that you're kind of experimenting in some of this area too, Chris. I think in terms of fintech, we have seen kind of a transformation occur in, in the insurtech space that was already happening in the fintech space, right? So this idea of, of building customer-centric platform solutions personalized towards that end user. Uh, fintech you know, and banking kind of had a head start there, but you know, certainly I do think we're seeing kind of a, a convergence between banking and payments and insurance and, and fintech. You know, I you know, putting aside the regulatory issues, which there are certainly many in that space, when it comes to thinking about the customer and their needs and the customer journey, we've always been so siloed and we think about these things in verticals, right? It's, you know, it's, you know if I'm buying a house, it, it's such a fragmented experience in terms of piecing those pieces together of the puzzle, you know, the buying of the house, getting a loan, buying insurance, it's a daunting and, and scary experience for anybody who hasn't gone through it before, because there's just so many things that can go wrong and there's so much friction involved. And then, yeah, but when you throw auto and you throw healthcare into that mix, we're such a segmented kind of society when it comes to thinking about all of these, these key parts of a person's life journeys. I think with InsureTech and FinTech and thinking about PropTech, property technology as well, there's a real opportunity through tech, like, you know, APIs have been around for goodness knows how long, but, you know, but now we're starting to see the emergence of an API um, ecosystem that's much more flexible, transparent. Talking to somebody about this the other day, but, you know, I, I used to work with SOAP. It's a web service protocol that I hope nobody else has to ever 
touch or go near because it was just so burdensome. Now we have technology that makes this stuff easy, low code, no code. We're able to move quickly. We can adapt quickly. It's an exciting time, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily easy. The same challenges are still there around data, data cleanliness. You know, we have more and more data, but how do we use it? How do we use it intelligently to make better decisions and actionable decisions? So this is a, a really exciting time to be part of the InsureTech and the FinTech space. And, you know, answering your question about what am I specifically perhaps doing in this space, NextShield, we are building a product in the insurance space that's going to align with our banking capability under NextBank. We are building a digital bank. We're building a, an insurance company, carrier and product where you will start to see a much closer alignment between banking and insurance activities of a potential customer. One of the other things that this kind of brings, I think, up to the forefront, and we've just finished our annual consumer research. The report will be coming out here shortly. But what we have found is that there is a growing and rising interest in financial wellness as a topic. That financial wellness is really a multifaceted concept for consumers to have kind of a coordinated command of all the factors that affect their finances from a day-to-day living to achieving longer-term goals. And I think COVID really kind of brought that to the forefront. How do I make sure that I've got you know income coming in, that I can make sure that I can buy my home, I can pay for my insurance? Are there different alternatives for my auto insurance or my homeowner's insurance that can help me manage that cost down so that I can buy additional benefits or I can save towards retirement? It all kind of comes together into really looking at this stuff much more holistically from a financial wellness perspective rather than a product perspective. And I think companies that are beginning to kind of move in this direction to say, how do they fit into that will gain a competitive advantage versus that kind of siloed approach, or they're going to have to partner with somebody who can kind of bring that together. What do you kind of see, Chris, what are the opportunities and what are the risks for those insurers in the industry that aren't thinking about that in terms of the consumer? That's such a great topic. When I first moved to the States, probably 20 odd years ago now, it's always baffling to me, just this array of options available when it came to financial wellness. So on one side, Coin, you're you're trying to pay the bills, trying to get by day to day, week to week, month to month. And then on the other side of the table, you have all of these financial experts saying, hey, you know, at this point in your life, you need to have, you know, this much in retirement. What is your 401k, college savings, Nest 529s, HSAs, FSAs? I mean, you know, the list is endless of (laughs) where should you be, you know, at one point in your life in terms of savings and And it's just really hard, right? And you you mentioned COVID, Denise, spot on, right? You think about world now, where we are in terms of, you know, the economy, inflation, different other factors. And reality is a lot of people are struggling to pay energy bills this winter, right? And it's frustrating, it's difficult, and it's challenging from a financial wellness point of view when you have all of these milestones that you're supposed to be meeting um, in your life, but the reality is the world doesn't quite work like that. So I think from a financial wellness point of view, it's kind of incumbent upon us to approach it with a bit more empathy and compassion, and maybe just be a little bit more realistic and reactive to, or proactive, I would say, to to where people are in their respective journeys. And I think that's perhaps where, from the insurance side of things, you know, instead of just selling a product 30-year term life policy and disappearing into the nether, perhaps we can do a better job at following up, showing up and checking in to make sure that people have what they need when they need it. And I think 
what really excites me about technology and perhaps, you know, one of the biggest pluses coming out of um, a lot of what we're seeing around the automation space is that hopefully we can allow people to do that. You know, we, we can remove a lot of the tech, the complexity, the fragmentation um, across the insurance value chain and allow people to do their jobs, you know, the way that they want to do them. And, you know, I think everybody I've ever met in the insurance space wants to do their job well and loves to engage with, they want to help people, but, but more often than not, tools and technology get in the way, friction gets in the way. And I hope that we can kind of move forwards and do a better job at providing tools and building platforms that help people work more effectively. Couldn't agree more. It's really kind of going back to our roots in that um, we're really helping people to live their lives or run their businesses in as much of a, an effective manner as possible in a world full of risk and do it in a financial responsible way that they, you know, kind of put out on the street, so to speak. Yeah. Spot on. So, you know, one of the areas, obviously, kind of going into 2023 here, uh, growth is really top of mind for industry, but it's becoming even more so around profitable growth. And part of that growth is really based on, you know, customers, the risk that's out there, but also this rise in new channels to be able to reach customers who maybe don't necessarily always want to work through an agent or a broker. And embedded insurance is really one of those areas that it's really about market reach and it's reaching those customers when and where they want to buy in those partnerships where you're able to offer embedded insurance. The cost of sales is really much different than it is maybe through our traditional channels. Why is embedded so exciting and how is that really going to both help drive growth, but maybe also some profitability? I think embedded is incredibly exciting. We talked a little bit about this at the um, InsureTech on the Silicon Prairie event as well, I remember. I think it's exciting because, you know, it's really an opportunity to meet that customer, as you said, where they want to be met. In some form or another, I think embedded has been around for quite a long time, right? So, you know, you go through any of the big retail apps, Best Buy, Target, Amazon, and so forth. There's always some form of embedded or third-party sale of insurance or warranty as part of that journey. So for me, that's kind of like, that's almost the, the basic form of, of embedded. I had to buy a car, added the third kid and went bought a car uh, about a year and a half ago. And at the time, the embedded insurance experience at that point was kind of getting the hard sell of buying insurance at that point. It didn't really feel like embedded insurance. It just felt like another thing to, to buy. So I don't know if that's the type of experience that, that really we want to offer. I, I think for me, the more exciting part or potential for embedded is, again, this, this idea of creating an, an integrated experience, whether that's through APIs, whether that's through personalized data, you know, making it you know, customizable, making it transparent, um, all of those pieces of friction that perhaps come from a traditional sales process, being able to embed that within the points of sale through technology and better data. I think that's the really exciting part. And, you know, coming back to your point about meeting the customer where they want to be met, I, I would just say that something to be cognizant of, uh, my mum and dad, who are both in their 80s, not doing terribly well health-wise, but for them, where they want to be met is still, you know, down at the bank you know, meeting somebody face to face, they can barely use a phone to send a text, let alone do their <laughs> banking online or, or buy insurance online. Like my so, dad too. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, whenever you spend any time with somebody like that, you just, just sort of remember that this enormous part of society, millions of other elderly people in their shoes 
who who just you know as much as we want to drive a, a seamless experience online we just have to remember there are so many more people out there whose idea of a, a good customer experience is going to be very different to um, perhaps people of our generation Denise so I think um you know embedded embedded is so exciting it's incredibly exciting but at the same time need to be cognizant of people who are not quite ready for that type of uh, customer experience. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we've been kind of talking a little bit about throughout this is really around technology. And let's kind of dive into that a little bit more because it really is that foundation to adapt and innovate and deliver at speed. Like you talked about, you know, to execute on strategies, to introduce new products and to adapt to different market shifts. What are the next technology trends that you're looking at and what should others be considering or experimenting with to be at the leading edge? My goodness, I think there are so many, you know, partly it, it might depend where you are on that, that kind of digital journey as we hear so much about. And I, you know, obviously I think cloud is an incredible place to be and, you know, having accessibility to so many different pieces of technology services, you can very quickly play, experiment, build proof of concept, uh, POCs kind of get to MVP quite quickly through experimenting with the cloud. The other pieces of technology that I think we've all heard um, so much about, you know, over the past probably couple of months, ChatGPT, obviously, a, you know, some some really exciting and quite impressive AI technology that's that's coming very very quickly. Astria being another one, kind of imaging sides. I think there's lots to be excited about, but I think even as a tech guy, which I suppose I am as well, you know, I'm always sort of cognizant these days of you know, thinking about how do we use the technology? Where do we use it to be effective? There's a real temptation to get very excited about all of this cool tech, start throwing it at the wall and in and, and, and the hope that something sticks. But, you know, I, I would just say that the, the really exciting part of it is being able to think about how do we continue to deliver a better customer experience? And I think that's maybe where the really exciting stuff can start to, to take place. So one of the things too, technology isn't a a panacea for everything because you've really got to think about the culture. You've got to think about your business model, your processes. When you think about speed to market, um, which I know is a big area of focus for a lot of business leaders, trying to get product out within weeks or just two or three months versus the years that it may have taken in the past. This requires not just technology, but it requires a change in mindset to execute. Talk through what your insights and, and experience has been around this, Chris. This is something that comes up at events time and time again, that this idea of, of technology moving faster and faster, innovation, you know, you have to innovate, you have to innovate. And But the reality is there are certain hurdles and boundaries that, you know, typically get in the way. And I, I think that when we kind of think back to some of the conversation earlier, you know, thinking about kind of incumbents in the space or companies who perhaps have a little bit more of a legacy profile, it gets a bit more challenging to be able to move at the speed that perhaps people want to move at. So I think obviously it depends on the type of technology or the type of innovation that's occurring, but you know, it's not easy. I've been involved on the tech side of things for quite a long time in multiple capacities. And, you know, as much as you want to move very quickly, there's still enormous oversight required, especially when you're thinking about, you know, APIs that potentially connect 
uh, multiple platforms and systems? You know, where is that data going? You know, how is the data being used? Is it encrypted at rest? Is it encrypted in transit? You know, who's responsible for the maintenance? And you know, and then I think when you start to add in AI and machine learning to the mix as well then the, you know, the regulators take uh, interest, right? They want to know how are those decisions being made, right? I mean, they focus is then kind of on reviewing the AI and machine learning based models, you know, how traceable are they? You know, can we determine the trace of a score and, and how was that decision made? So I think as much as technology is enabling us to move quickly and, and to do things faster, there are other questions that I think need to be asked. And um, I think the hope is that, we can find the right balance between you know being able to move quickly and test and try and fail quickly and fail forward or, or all of those fun concepts but at the same time do it in a way that that is still ethical and we can make sure that we are uh, taking care as we go getting close to wrapping up here chris what's your bold prediction for what you see for insurance in the next three to five years these are fun questions right i mean this is kind of one of those ones where perhaps can kind of break it down to different parts of insurance. I think for personal lines and small business, we undoubtedly will continue to see perhaps underwriting and claims being automated to a much larger extent. I think for the more complex work, we will absolutely continue to see people being a core part of that, that process, which I'm very excited about. I think for other parts of the customer journey, what we're seeing with some of the AI tools coming to market like ChatGPT, you know, I think we're seeing the beginning. It's very early in terms of those tools, not terribly sophisticated, but at the same time, um, potentially incredibly powerful in terms of what they can do and the type of functionality that they can deliver. So I think we'll continue to see kind of a blend of people and technology. Talked a little bit about that, Denise, just, you know, the idea of building better tools, better platforms, systems, and so forth to help people kind of get that insight and kind of deliver the actionable responses to customers as, as quickly as possible. So I think that will continue to improve, but I mean, certainly automation will play a larger role in just about every part of the ecosystem. I'd like to close up my podcast and Christopher, the pressure's on because I've only had three duplicates and I think it's about 79 podcasts. <laughs> um, so if you could use one word or phrase to describe the future of insurance, what would it be and why? So I won't, I'm not going to say embedded because I think that's probably one of the most popular uh, <laughs> recent ones. Um, you know, I would say continuous. I think insurance will be a constant part of our lives, right? Driving, walking, running, living, traveling, growing. I mean, it's going to be constant. Everything we do will impact in one way or another our own risk profile, right? What we eat, what we drink, how we drive, where we travel, devices in our home. I think we will see consolidation and I hope a simplification of insurance products I'm using data to price and protect accurately. You know, one thing at NextShield, we are moving in that direction. And so in instead of three or four insurance products spanning multiple verticals, we'll start to see the emergence of a single flexible insurance product that kind of adapts and changes with you, the insured and your daily needs and habits. I think continuous, perhaps my word, I hope it hasn't, I hope it hasn't come up so far. Hey, it, it hasn't come up so far. So you did good, Chris. Okay, I passed the test. <laughs> well, it's been great speaking with you. And I absolutely love when we're on a panel together. And hopefully we will be again this coming year, because there's a lot of exciting things going to be happening in the industry. And 
I'm glad we're both a part of it and this next evolution of InsureTech, Christopher. Denise, thank you so much. This has been a blast. And uh, thank you to everybody else who's listening. We'll, we'll listen at some point. Thanks, Christopher. All right. Take care, Denise. Cheers. That's it for this week's episode of Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Subscribe to our market-leading podcast series available wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in the next time.